I spoke to Mitch at the diner. He said you can start on Thursday. He won't give you a hard time. I'm not great at taking care of myself. Gets easier. Takes practice. During this segment, we are going to talk about how to make the most of your life. If you're a procrastinator, or if you're feeling depressed, or if you're feeling like you have chronic anxiety and your life is just stuck, how do you change that? And with me to discuss this is one of my favorite people, Dr. Andy Bernstein. He has his PhD in philosophy. He taught at Pace University and is teaching at other colleges. He's given addresses at Harvard, Stanford, RPI, and many other schools. He's the author of countless articles, several cliff notes on Atlas Shrugged, on the Fountainhead, on Anthem by Ayn Rand, and a novel, The Heart of the Pagan. Today, we're going to talk about your happiness. How can you make the most of your happiness? D Andy, welcome. Good to be here, Dr. Ellen. Oh, as always, it's wonderful to have you on. Thank I you. can remember, after I got out of college, my life seemed to just stagnate. Now, that's when your life is supposed to take off. Right. But I tried needle pointing, I knit socks, I made curtains, and that was really fun, but it was just, just felt like it was a dead end for myself. Then I heard Ayn Rand on Donahue, and I read her books, and I said, oh my God, there's a better way to lead my life. It can really be my own. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to go about it. But I knew I wanted a life. I knew that there was a part of me inside that just wanted to bloom. I'm wondering, what do you notice that keeps people stuck? Why do they procrastinate? They don't set dreams or goals for themselves. Well, you know, I think they're, they're making a, a critical error. I don't, I don't know if they're... I don't know if they're looking out at the world to see what's actually there um, and the opportunities that are there. I think that they're, they're mired in their own psychological problems. But if they if they were able to look honestly out at the world, they would see that the world is filled with great things and, and, and with exciting opportunities uh, in terms of education, career, love, hobbies, travel, any number of things. And I think we, you know, we I think it's a cliche, but it's true. We restrict ourselves and. Um, because we're restricted not by the lack of thrilling chances out there, but simply by the lack of time. Um, for instance, uh, I'm writing several books right now, and uh, it's, it's, yeah, I, I have many ideas on on uh, articles I could write, on, on, on other books I could write. I'd love to go back to grad school and get a uh, study literature this time, not philosophy. I'd love to get a, PA, uh, get a PhD maybe in literature and get a black belt in karate or the martial arts. Uh, it's not a lack of chances or opportunities here that's holding me back. It's simply a lack of time. And I would, um, uh, you know, if we were as old as, lived to be as old as Methuselah, week 969, we could do all these things. But in limited time, we have to prioritize. And I would tell people they need to prioritize the things that are most important to them and then use their time to pursue those things in order of their importance to them. That's, I think they need to realize how many chances there are in the world for them to do thrilling things. And a lot of people say, yeah, that's okay for you, but that's not okay for me. You just don't understand. You know, I feel like I should have a job. I should have hobbies. I should have good things in life. And it's such a duty. I mean, to have to go out there and this is heavy stuff. How do you find a career that you love? I mean, I have to do it, but I don't, I don't know where to begin. Well, um, you know, one, one, of the, one of the things that I think, aside from just looking in the world and, and finding you know, the, the, the opportunities that are out there, the things that, that you love, I think 
the, the most important issue here is to realize uh, the opportunity here for psychological liberation. This is, we're talking about your right to be purely 100% selfish. And that is, just ask yourself the question, what do I love? Not what satisfies my family or what, what does President think I ought to do or what does the church say on this, but or what does society want? Just ask yourself the question, very honestly, when there's nobody else around, maybe you know, in the in the, in the uh, dark of night when everybody else is sleeping, you're all alone. You ask yourself the question: What do I love? What do I want out of life? What what thrills me? And here's where you can uh, you can use your emotions as a clue because they will tell you what excites you, what you know, whether it's uh, in, in education or computer science or you know, in business or law or education in teaching, whatever. But what excites you? It's the same. It's the same exact process as when you fall in love. If you've ever been in love with anybody, and, and most people have been at some point in their life, you know this is the person that turns me on. This is the person I'm really attracted to. Uh, this is the one I, I want to spend time with. Ultimately, this is the person I want to make love to. Uh, it's the same thing with choosing a major in college or in choosing a career. You use your emotions as clues. It's, it's about being purely, purely dedicated to self and your own happiness. It's very, it's very uh, internally liberating once you realize that. Okay, so it's not just going by blind emotions. It's not like, you know, how people say, well, you have to go by your heart, not by your head. And there is no dichotomy. No, there's no. That's a, that's a good point. There's no dichotomy there at all. Your your emotions are clues. Uh, and then you know what Socrates used to say: the unexamined life is not worth living. I mean, if you find yourself turned on by the life of a drug dealer or a bank robber, you you know that uh, you know you're, you're you're making a mistake. You want a career. Just just as you just as you don't want to be in love with somebody who's untrustworthy, irresponsible, dishonest, or anything like that. Even if the emotion is strong, you know it's it's self-destructive to be in that kind of relationship and, and a, a rational person gets out. It's just so in, you know, with the career. You, you choose some career that's honestly productive, that, could, that will lead you to success, not lead you to self-destruction or to uh, incarceration. Okay. So you find some productive career, so, some, somewhere where, you, where you're actually creating you know, the goods and services that human life depends on. That's, that, that's, a, that's a productive career. You find the one that you love. Okay. When I'm sitting in bed, as you advise, and I ask myself privately, what do I want to do? I want to give two different examples, two methods of approach, and just see what the difference is between these. One of them is, oh God, I've got to find a career. Dad wants me to find a career. I know I have to have a career. This is so heavy. This is so boring. I don't know what I want to do. Okay, that's that's take one. Take two is, oh my gosh, you know, what would I love doing? Well, let me think of things that other people love doing. And, oh, I don't like what Aunt Tilda does. And But I love, I've always loved what, what uh, my cousin's doing. He's oh, It's always fascinated me. He's an author. He writes books. And maybe I'll look into that more. That might be fun. Okay, that's one possible com career. Maybe I'll, I'd like landscape architecture. That's another possible career. What's the difference in thinking between those two? Well, we have just about a minute left, a minute or two. In technical terms of, of philosophy, the difference between a, a duty approach and a value approach. The the first one is, you know, all, you know, other people, um, you know, dad or society want me to do this, and if other people want me to do it, and I'm doing it just to satisfy them, there's no excitement in that. It's only drudgery. But your second approach is 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 about it's about personal values. It's what I want. It's more it's more in tune with what an individual wants for, for himself or herself. And on that approach, uh, is the recognition that I have the right 
to uh, uh, find the things that I love, and that, then it becomes very exciting. Then, then you're liberated internally to find the things that you want, not uh, not have to follow the uh, duty to to do to do the things other people want you to do. So what I'm hearing in this is two different points that you're you're making. One is that you want to have a value approach towards your own life. If you hear the language of duty, should, ought to, must, have to, stop. You're not going to get any place. It's impossible to motivate yourself well that way, and or motivate yourself at all. The other way is through really loving your life. Um, that's one of the points you made. And the other point that you made, Andy, was that if you don't know what you want, monitor your emotions. When you get excited about something, really enjoy that and say, well, maybe that's a career that I'd like to go into. You know, monitor them. If there's something you don't enjoy, monitor that. That's not on your list. Today, I'm here with Dr. Andy Bernstein. He's, he's a philosopher. He's a very accomplished man. If you ever get a chance to hear any of his talks, it's well worth it. Andy, thank Thank you so much for joining us today. Good to be here, Dr. Ellen. And it's been great being with you today. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenna. Join me next week on The Rational Basis of Happiness. Your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner. A mood is an enduring emotional state. A chronically sullen, anxious, or hostile partner is unromantic, not very lovable. Sometimes moods may be partly or wholly out of your control. For instance, those caused by hormones, a thyroid problem, or by an adverse medication reaction. Most bad moods, however, are caused by your subconscious ideas. You can introspect to understand and regulate them. Your bad moods may sometimes be the cause of your partner's bad mood. For example, you may hate your job and come home to your partner in a cranky, sarcastic mood every night, which puts your partner in an equally negative mood. Once you clarify the cause of your mood and explain it to your partner, you can come up with a better strategy to deal with the work problem. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.